0: To Hockey Night in New York, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large. Here's your hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stubby. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, February 9th, 2020, coming at you from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island got a big show coming up for you tonight, Mr. Brian Compton of NHL.com will be joining me and unfortunately just me, Mr. Sean Huffbert. Tony unfortunately could not make himself available for tonight's scheduling and life just gets in the way sometimes and he couldn't be here, but you got me. We got Brian coming up in about 10 minutes, so I want to thank you all for joining us and tuning in tonight. So with that being said, folks, let's get into it. The Islanders are back from the break. Once again, want to thank you guys for coming back because we did not have a show last week on account of the football festivities, so I hope you all had a wonderful Super Bowl weekend. If you care about that stuff, I don't know why they haven't made uh, the day after a national holiday at this point because you got everybody getting together on Sunday night. Everybody likes to have a couple of uh, soft drinks and, uh, you know, give the day off. You know, let people relax, but, you know, it's not my decision, but maybe we'll see that one day because, I mean, basically the entire country... You know, takes that day, watches the game, you all know this. Everybody's putting money on the games, putting all the bets on the games and whatnot. Let people have a good time and strolling on Tuesday. But anyway, let's get to the hockey, folks. The Islanders were off for a long time. They were off for about 10 days before they got back at it on Saturday before the Super Bowl. That was their 4-3 to overtime loss to the Vancouver Canucks. Unfortunately, they dropped that one. But I suppose if you're a bright side kind of person, you look at that point that they got, and they're playing a little bit better since, uh, you know, the couple of games before the the break, they started to uh, play a little bit better. They got that win against the Rangers. They started putting some points on the standings again. But look, it's really not a time anymore to, to take you know you know um, silver linings out of this game these games because you know as Tony and I have been emphasizing on this show. It's just because everybody in the Metro just keeps winning games, and that is still the case. I'm, I'm going to you know, look over the standings with you guys in a little bit here. But there's really no margin for error anymore for this team, and it just goes to show you just how ridiculously important that 15-0-2 streak ended up becoming. I personally did not think it was going to come to this where all of a sudden the Islanders find themselves having to claw tooth and nail with everybody else. I thought that at least... They'd continue to have a nice little pad on the other teams in the division and in the conference, but that is not where we are. So you got playoff hockey now in February because it's going to be like this from now until we get to April, and the Islanders are going to have to just you know continue to show up. Like I said, they're playing better. We'll talk a little bit about the games that they had this week. Obviously, they had the, the disappointing loss to Tampa Bay last night, but I would say overall... They're playing a little bit better than during that you know long stretch of 500 hockey. They're not where I would like to see them. I, they still you know have some work to do, but there are some positives to take here, and, and hopefully they continue to pile up the points. So you know we'll just look at uh, you know what they've been doing these these last couple of games. So now they are they're 53 games through the season here. They're 31, 16, and six. That's good for 68 points. They have been bumped out of the, the third spot. And now it's it's kind of been, um, you know, you look at the standings each day and it seems like it's changing a little bit. But as of right now, they're out of the third spot. That is that is in Columbus's hands right now, which is still to my complete surprise with the Blue Jackets doing as well as they have been uh, just, you know, because everybody knows all the guys that they lost in the summer last year. And they started off slow this season, so they looked like they were going to be where we all thought. And John Tortorella has that team playing well. They got the king, the other king, Elvis, playing great goaltending over there, and and they're a big surprise. And, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine about this, and he was like, you know, they're kind of like the Islanders last year. And at first, I was like, no. But then I thought about it some more, and, you know, he's kind of on to something, because you look at last year's Islanders after losing 91, and... You know, the expectations, you know, ended up towards the bottom of the standings for most pundits and most, most uh, people with opinions looking at the upcoming hockey season, and you have Barry Trotz come in, and, you know, he has a team kind of playing above all those expectations, and you remember where they finished in the standings, so, you know, maybe maybe you can equate something to that, you know, you got they got this new goalie coming in, he's playing great, they got John Tortorella, who just, you know, he's a systems guy too, and he has them playing great hockey over there, so... Whether you like the comparison or not, I think something's there. And the bottom line is, they have the spot, they have the third spot right now. And that's the you know I'd rather see the Islanders there. I'd rather see the the Islanders back in the two spot, obviously. But one step at a time here. But they're a point behind the Jackets right now for that spot with three games in hand. So as long as they you know continue to do what they got to do, they'll probably get themselves back ahead of the Jackets. They're now five points behind the Pens with only one game in hand, so they have some work to do there if they want to get home ice back. And I guess I'll mention it just because we had been all season, but they're nine points behind the Caps now. And, you know, we'll, we'll worry about first place in the Metro if and when the Islanders earn, earn the right to to be in that conversation again. But right now they got to worry about, it at best, home ice. And unfortunately, that's where they're at. And then, you know, after that you have Carolina, Philly, Florida, Toronto, all in the mix there for these wild card spots that, you know, the Islanders currently find themselves, themselves in one of them. So... You know, it's it's crunch time. I, I thought that was coming a little later than this. I thought maybe we get into March and we, we, we'd be worrying about playoff positioning. But it's not just positioning anymore, folks. The Islanders got to play their game to make sure they stay in the playoffs. I ultimately believe that they will. But it's a little dicier, as I like to say, than uh, I thought it would be at this point. But, hey, look, it makes for more exciting hockey, right? At least we're going to be seeing some... Uh, you know a lot of big games. I mean, you look at the schedule coming up here, and, and you know I've already talked about it multiple times. Just just how crunched the schedule is for the Islanders coming back from that break. I I think I have to correct a mistake I made. I said that they only had two two day breaks after after that ten ten day break that they had. It was actually three. They got one of those out of the way in between the uh, Vancouver and Dallas games. And there's, there's only two left after that, one in the beginning of March and then one, I believe, in the, the middle of the month. But other than that, it's every other night. They are playing hockey. They got back-to-backs. So this is going to be a huge, huge test for this team. And, you know, look, Tony and I talked with a lot of confidence earlier on in this season for a good reason, obviously, when you go on a streak like that. But, you know, I'm still confident in this team. I still think they can do very well. I still think they can make noise in the playoffs. But... You know, now there's some there's some more pressure on them because they got a lot of teams in there breathing down their necks, and it's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of four-point games coming up. I mean, I'm looking at Philly right now. That's a huge game, you know, on Tuesday night. Uh, that's at the Barclays Center. So it's it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun to watch, and uh, it's going to be stressful too. So get ready for gray hairs. Get ready for a little balding because uh, it's going to be tough. But, folks, I'm going to have uh, Brian Compton join me in a couple of minutes, so we're going to take our break here, and when we come back – Brian Compton, the Deputy Managing Editor of NHL.com, will be joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at HockeyNightNY.com, the Premier Live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large from our studios right here on Long Island, hosted by Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tune in weekly during the season Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time for insights on the team, great special guests, and commentary on all the happenings around the league. If you happen to miss us live, all shows can be streamed or downloaded 24 hours a day, seven days a week, at the same address, HockeyNightNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe and never miss a show, no matter what your preferred platform. Question for the guys? Comments? Interested in the sponsorship? Please contact us at HockeyNightNewYork at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. We appreciate all the support. And as always, let's go Islanders. Love repping your favorite Long Island hockey team? Can't get enough orange and blue swag? Look no further than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and yes, even pajamas. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting yesmenoutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HockeyNightNY for 10% off your order. That's yesmenoutfitters.com. Program, Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and normally Tony Stabile. But tonight you just got me and now you got the Deputy Managing Editor of NHL.com, Mr. Brian Compton. Brian, thanks a lot for joining us, buddy. How are you doing tonight, bud? Doing great,
1: Johnny. How are you, my friend?
0: I am doing well. Pleasure to have you on as always. Uh, we're back at it here. Uh, hope every, Hope you had a good Super Bowl Sunday, buddy. And, uh, you know, now we're back into the hockey. The Islanders are obviously off for 10 days. We didn't get to do a show last week because of the football holiday. But all the Islander withdrawals are gone, and the Islanders are playing uh, 2-1-1 hockey (laughs) since the break. So I guess we'll start there. And and I guess— Well,
1: wait, wait, wait. Did did you enjoy the Super Bowl? Let's talk about that for a minute. I know you're a big football guy.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's true. Everybody knows this. Um, <laughs> I did watch the game. It was the first football game all season I watched front to back. Uh, <laughs> the fourth quarter was exciting, right? We had a comeback. Um, if yeah. I was rooting for anybody, it was the Chiefs. So go football, I guess.
1: All right, there you go. Good the- for you, Kyle. I'm glad <laughs> everything worked out.
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you bringing that into the conversation. <laughs> but, but look, you know, before this break that the Isles had, you know, they were playing 500 hockey for a long stretch, essentially a quarter of the season. After that long streak of of goodness, and they come back, they they drop that first one in OT against the Canucks. You know, and they're playing a lot of three, third period heroics here. You know, since uh, since coming back, you know, whether it was to force overtime against the Canucks to you know, get to overtime and win against Dallas, came back against, you know, L.A. on Thursday night. And then, you know, from my perspective, they were just outclassed by, you know, a now dominant team in in Tampa that took a little while to get their their stuff going this year. So I guess we'll just start with your assessment on how they've been looking, uh, you know, since they got back from the break, and we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if you saw the the post-game presser with Barry uh, when they beat the Rangers there right before the break, I mean, he just looked exhausted, right? I mean, he, he looked like somebody who needed to go to the beach and just chill out Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, by himself for a few days. And, um, you know, just talking to the guys when they came back, uh, Andrews pretty much admitted to me that pretty much everybody needed a break. So. Um, you know, they fought to get, get to a couple of wins there with not the greatest goaltending. Uh, I spoke to Barry about that before the game against LA, and he kind of, he didn't make it as an excuse, but I mean, it's valid. Um, it's just a different team without um, without Adam Pellick. I don't think there's any dispute. I mean, he's right. their number one shutdown defenseman. Having said that, there's been some goals, Shawnee, that just shouldn't go in, whether Pellick is in the lineup or not, So. Um, the goaltending is needed to be better. Uh, Varley made that big save against Jamie Benn overtime, leading up to to Bo's second goal tonight. To be Dallas, um, it, it's it's just been iffy for me. I thought Varley was pretty good last night in Tampa, which was a good sign. And then of course they don't score <laughs> for for the guys, right? So, um, it's just uh, yeah, they got like you said, they got outclassed class. Tampa is back. I mean, they're yeah. just one of the better teams in the, in the league again. Um, they played pretty well. Uh, they just didn't generate enough. Obviously Barzi was about ten feet off sides on on the goal that he scored. So <laughs> right. what are you gonna do there? Yeah. Um I, I don't see the, a need to panic just yet. Um I don't know if Keeper Bellows is gonna score every night. Obviously he didn't I don't think he even had a shot on goal last night <clears throat> excuse me, last night. So um, you know, we'll see what happens with Keeper moving forward, but mm-hmm. I, I would think that we're gonna see some moves here. Uh, by February 24th, whether it's a Pajo or you know some some other kind of upgrade on that third line, and then uh, I think they need another veteran defenseman. I think we're watching though Adoption evolve into the player that he's going to be down the road, Shawnee. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of these third periods, he's not getting a ton of ice time. I think Barry's going to want another veteran defenseman. Uh, for the stretch run of if they're going to make the playoffs and make any kind of impact when they get there.
0: Yeah I definitely agree with you there but I want to touch on something you mentioned you know just when you got started here and that's Pellick being out and also just the dynamic with that and the goaltending because I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here and maybe it's kind of like a chicken or the egg sort of situation because you know now that we've had this large sample size with Barry Trotz and, and his style of hockey the defensive game and you know, there's been so much talk about that and also the goaltending and how, you know, early on Varlamov coming in and, and you know, the, everybody's talking about how they didn't miss a step, you know, with him replacing Leonard. And, you know, are we... So, you know, you talk about these goals that, you know, maybe Varlamov and Grice might have wanted to have, you know, in some of these games, and I hate using that term, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know. It, are we really seeing is is it is a result of them not playing as as well as they should be, or are they seeing more dangerous chances because a guy like Pellick is out and you have Dobson coming in? He's he's a little shielded by Trots, and you know they're kind of trying to make up for that. Everybody's you know getting a, l- a few more minutes than than they would have if Pellick was in. So I guess I'm just kind of trying to you know look at that uh, dichotomy here and see see your thoughts on that as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's a, it's a combination of both. I mean, the goal that um, Varley allowed to, to Klingberg in the Dallas game that that can't go in. I mean, that's from the blue line, whether there are bodies in front. I mean, the guy's going down before Klingberg Klingberg even gets his shot off. So mm-hmm. um, some of it's mechanics. And then the, the second goal Tampa scored last night where the guy just cruises in from the corner untouched and everybody's just watching him. I mean, that. You you. How many times have we seen that since Barry Trotz became the head coach of this hockey team? I mean, Not it, often. It never happens, right? right. So yeah. Right. So it, it's just weird, um, and it's pretty funny because the goaltending was at its best when they alternated, and we were harassing Barry day after day. You know, when are <laughs> right. these guys going to start?
0: Yeah.
1: To the point where he was getting aggravated, and then he runs with Barley, and then the wheels kind of <laughs> fall off. Yeah. So. Now with what thirty three games in sixty five days or whatever it is, he mm-hmm. pretty much has admitted the other day that he's going to go back to alternating. So uh, I assume that means we'll see Grice in Washington and then Varley Tuesday night against Philly. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, he basically said that he's uh, this was before the game against LA that he has confidence in both of these goalies. Um, it, it's 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 going to be you know alternating guys moving forward. He has faith in both of these guys um it's a luxury that most teams don't have um so we'll see what happens if if the goaltending gets better now because they have so many games in post-season time that, and they're going to both see action here down the stretch
0: right right all right well look we're we're you know a little a little bit through into the what i guess we would call like the almost the last quarter maybe the last third of the season what have you i'm not going to do the math right now but with that being said you, you have the first quarter of the season which is essentially Almost flawless hockey, at, at least as far as the win column and points, you know, points accumulation goes. Yeah. Then you have the second quarter where you have the 500, and now we're kind of entering that third quarter to see like where do they fall, you know, when it comes to you. You compare those two quarters of the season: are they more like the first? Are they more like the second? Uh, or are we going to see something more in between here going forward? I mean, you know, because it's very easy to look at recent history, right? Because we're all, we're all talking, you know, like they're going to be a, a cup contender after that, that point streak, right? They just need another piece. They're going to the finals. You know, maybe some people are saying stuff like that. You have the, the 500, and everybody's like, oh, man, are they going to make the playoffs? This is the, they're showing their true colors now. And so we have that tale of two sides. Where do you think they fall, you know, as far as, um, as, far as that goes with those, with those two quarters of the season?
1: Well, I think they're closer to the latter just because they don't have Adam Pellick and they haven't had Cal Clutterbuck since mm-hmm. before Christmas. I mean, it's just a different team without those two guys. Yeah. Um, do they put up a ton of points? Of course not. We know that. But Pellick, like I was saying earlier, is their top defenseman. I mean, he his stick in the defensive zone is just top notch. He's always in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets the pucks that most other guys don't. Um, and then Clutterbuck is a leader on and off the ice. Who's on the PK and uh, is uh, you know such an integral part of that fourth line, and for whatever reason, when any one of those three guys aren't in the lineup, that fourth line is just completely different. It's crazy how different it is, to be honest, right? So, yeah. Um. So I don't think that they're as good as they were during that run. I mm-hmm. mean, they're not a team that's going to win every single night or get a point every single night. Sure. Um. And I don't think they're as as uh, mediocre as what we saw during that that second stretch there, but. Um, you and and you just as as you know as honest as it is about and factual as it is about Pellick and Clutterbuck, you can't use those as an excuse when Pittsburgh has reels off win after win right. after win and not right. having guys like Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Buesad and Russ, like they have been so banged up. Um and Columbus lost their number one goalie and Elvis steps in and has been absolutely ridiculous for the Blue Jackets. So yeah, unreal. um, there are inju- there's injuries across the whole league. So you can't use that as a as an excuse. It's a shame um, that a guy like Thomas Hickey went down because he would have come right back up as soon as Pellet got hurt. Um, so you're you know in- increasing minutes for a kid like Noah Dobson who I think is going to be really really good down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just he's not there yet. Um, but he's adequate for 11 or 12 minutes a night. But like I was saying earlier, when when he's barely playing in the third period of these games, it's taxing on the other five guys. Right. Um, and I think that's why Lou's going to go out and get another veteran D before February 24th.
0: Yeah, I got to agree with you there. And I want to touch on that soon. But first, I want to talk about the new kid on the block. And you mentioned his name already, Kiefer Bellows. Came in, gets three points in his first two games. He gets the uh, the secondary assist on that goal uh, in his first game. And then he gets the two goals against the Kings. Uh, a little bit of a hero. Gets that game winner in front of his father. A uh, very special night for him. And as you, as you pointed out, didn't do much of anything, you know, last night against the Bolts. I was curious to see, because everybody was very happy, very excited about him, you know, how he played in those first two games. But I was thinking to myself, you know what, let's see how he does against a team like Tampa. The Kings is one thing. Two goals <laughs> against the Kings is nice, but let's see what happens <laughs> against the Bolts. So, you know, obviously a very small sample size. We know what he was doing down in Bridgeport, but just talk about what he's brought to the team so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, he, I think he's brought somewhat of a jolt, and Maddie Martin, um, Pretty much told me verbatim that mm-hmm. after the after the night he scored the two goals, they needed something. I mean, it was pretty obvious, right? So, um I, I mean, it's pretty funny when he scores those goals and then Twitter goes nuts, Oh, this guy should have been up a month and a half ago. Like, right, blah, blah, right. Blah, blah, blah. Like, of course, guys, relax. Like the the guys in charge know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, if they felt Kiefer could have stepped in on October sixth and played <laughs> on that third line, he would have been there from day one. He didn't right. have a great camp. Um, and then he didn't produce in Bridgeport for what, two months or whatever. And then he went on that ridiculous run in December. Um, and then he started to play with a little bit more consistency last month, which was nice to see. And that's what Lou told us at the beginning of January. That's what he needed to see from Kiefer before he could call him up. So, um, he's, he's brought them some juice because that third line, we've seen it all year. So any Barry has tried everything to get that line going and he just could not find the right trio. Uh, Derek Broussard really struggled in the middle before he started to produce a little bit on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they signed him to basically replace Valfopla, right? So eventually he had to go back and be the third center. Um, so look, I, I think he's, he's going to help them. Is he going to score every night as we saw last night? No. Um, but I think he gives that third line a different look. And, uh, I think he, he, you know, Broussard has started to put up more points which is huge. And I said this the other night. Um, we're seeing a better version of Michael Dell which yes. is great moving Just forward because he, yeah, because he's he's been in the right spots. He's played with some jump, which is nice to see, and he's starting to put up points. He's never going to be what the fifth overall pick in the draft should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everybody would admit that. Yeah, uh, but if he can become a serviceable bottom six forward, uh, you know, down the down the stretch here, um, it's going to benefit everybody involved.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you there. All right, so. You mentioned the deadline and some potential activity here, and that's something that Tony and I have been talking about in the last couple of weeks just because, you know, each week that goes by, it's fast approaching. And it's pretty common knowledge, you know, what this team has needed for, you know, going back to even when, you know, last season started, I would say, just as far as what's going to help this team, you know, achieve a you know, uh, uh, furthering in the playoffs and whatnot, and you mentioned the fact that Pellick is down and, and you know, they're, they're probably going to need another defenseman to, to help fill the depth on the defensive end. So, with that being said, you know, Tony and I went over a couple of names last week. Is there anybody that is jumping out to you that can help out where, you know, obviously in the forward group, as, as we've talked about a lot, yourself included, and, and now is there anybody maybe you have targeted um, in defense that you'd like to see them pick up just to help uh, shore things up?
1: Well, I think the guy that screams out for me is Brendan Dillon, just because mm-hmm. he's the best of of the guys who are available. Uh, physical guy, has been on long playoff runs with, with San Jose. I think he would help them. Of all the guys that are out there showing, I think he's the one who would help them the most. I mean, there are other guys. Ron right. Hattie, uh, who played for Lou in Toronto, and uh, Andy Green, who played for Lou in New Jersey. Yeah. And he would have to waive with no trade clause, which I think I would have to think he would if the opportunity presents itself. Whether it's the Islanders or somebody else, mm-hmm. just because obviously the Devils aren't going to make the playoffs, but there's not a whole lot out there on the on the blue line. Uh, Burwitzky in, in Ottawa could could obviously help them. He's a physical guy, um, but I, I think Brendan Dillon makes the most sense. Um, but I think teams are going to line up to get him, so it's just a matter of yeah. how much is it going to cost and is Lou willing to pull the trigger. We'll see.
0: Right, and and I think just because I think the the story kind of changes maybe a little bit. Because look, I think when we were all talking about the Islanders going out and getting somebody, it was when they had a nice, cushy spot in the second overall, you know, place in the, in the Metro Division. They were maybe a couple of points behind Washington. They had a little bit of a pad over Pittsburgh, and you know, they they had already kind of we all thought they left the rest of the division in the dust, right? We weren't. Nobody was worrying about Philly, Carolina, really. You know, they right. they, they were in a good spot. Everybody was aiming high. And so now, you know, if you're going to be a realist, there's a chance that this team doesn't make the playoffs. Do I personally think that's going to happen? No. But you look at the standings and you just cannot deny it because of not only how well all these teams in the Metro are doing, Carolina, Philly, at all, but then you got Toronto's going to be in that mix. you got Florida's in that mix because they're playing better now. So there's a chance they don't even get in at all. So does that change Lou's approach as we get closer to the deadline as far as what he might be willing to give up to to get not only get into the playoffs now but to make a run because look if you're gonna want to get to Dylan, like you said, there's probably gonna be a little bidding war for a guy like him. You know how no how much is Lou gonna have to reach for some of these guys considering he didn't make any deals at all last year? No, I know. And you
1: know, it's funny too because when Columbus first went ahead of him last week or whenever it was and I tweeted it out and I had fans screaming at Oh, the owners have three games at hand like guys, <laughs> like they had a seventeen game point streak not right. too long ago. Right. And they were it's funny, I was looking at it, uh I did a, a segment with Shannon uh, two months ago and th- that day the owners were fifteen points ahead of Columbus. That's fifteen insane. points. Wow. So I mean, to to have people screaming at me about the games at hand, like, they should not be in this situation at all. Right. Um, I, I know I'm going off track here a little bit, no, buddy, it's but fine. look at Um. It's just not making them a- last year. I've said this before. I think the players took it as a compliment, just like the, the faith that Lou showed in them, and mm-hmm. they just fed off of it down the stretch and into the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This year, I think they know that they need help um and we've seen this movie before where that we you know going back to the guy that i will mention who just looked like uh he was ready to kill somebody the day after the deadline when garth snow didn't make any moves yeah um so it, look at and the fact that they for a while they didn't have a full roster just a crew in cap space um if you're not going to make a move and spend some money here what were you doing all this time with, with that with that ed cap space that you're saving for a rainy day which is coming up here in the next Two weeks or so. Um, Well, not only that, Brian,
0: but Lou's bought into this team. I mean, he brought back Lee, Nelson, and Everly last summer. I mean, for better or worse, you can talk about how they're performing, but, I mean, you kind of have to at this point, right? No,
1: I mean, I said it with Shannon on the pregame the other night. When he signed Lee, Everly, and Nelson to those long-term deals, he told everybody, even if he didn't speak to us, we are in this to win now. This is a win-now team. 'Cause otherwise you wouldn't be signing those guys for those contracts, right? So right. Um it's it, it's unfortunate that they've hit this bump in the road because I think it would make it easier to make these moves here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but man, to, to be in the mix, which I mean look, they're certainly still gonna be in the mix on February twenty fourth. If Lou doesn't do anything, that's gonna be a really, really bad luck and it's gonna be um, it it's going to have guys down in the room, I would think, because they, these guys know that they need help. So we'll see what happens.
0: Right, because, I mean, it puts Lou in a tough spot. Look, his job, and I, and I said this on Twitter, is, I mean, for better or worse, his job is to find the right trading partner with the right assets for the right price. Yeah. And yeah. if, you know, if he fails at doing that, it's a failure. I mean, now he can come back and say the prices were too high, You know, I I just wasn't willing to give up what they were looking for. And, you know, that's unfortunate. And and I'm sure, you know, there, there would be some truth to that if it comes to that. But at the end of the day, he wasn't able to fulfill his job. He wasn't able to add to this team that, as you you know, just very well said, you know that they, they need help. They know they need help. The fan knows that they need help. So I think there's a little more pressure on him to, to get something done. And, and, you know, it's tough because as as much as the fans, right, are, are screaming for him to do something, if they give up, let's just say, a first-rounder for Pajot or or they, you know, give up a, a higher-end prospect like a Bodie Wilde for a middling defenseman, he, he, he's kind of in a can't-win situation because he's going to hear it from the fans on that end of it too.
1: Right. And look, a win-now team is going to draft somewhere between 20 and 31. Um, A win-now team does not care about a guy who's not going to help you until 2023 at the earliest. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. Uh, If that player turns out to be dynamite down the road, um, it will ease the blow if you you win now, right? Nobody's going to care what happens three years from now if you go on a great run here in the next three or four months um so I I just think that you have to pull the trigger here would I trade a one for Pajot? uh it's hard for me to say that I'm not Lou Lamorello if Luke thinks that Pajot is the missing piece I don't know how you don't outbid all these other teams that are going to be in the mix for his services too I mean like you said that's his job you didn't do anything last year um you've got to go you've got to bring somebody in uh, to get you over the hump here, and they're clearly going to be either if they're if they're not in playoff position, they're going to be awfully close. Uh, so to throw the season away because you don't want to trade a first round pick is not going to help you for a few years. Uh, that doesn't make much sense to me, anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. And I guess just for just for the record, is is Paggio your your number one target as far as a, the the forward crop goes?
1: No no. I mean, look, T- Tyler Toffoli is a nice player. He's not this sniper that everybody's screaming about on Twitter. He's mm-hmm. just not. He's basically a right-handed Andrews Lee. That's who Tyler DeFoley is. Mm-hmm. Um, can he help them? Sure, he can help them. Um, is is that need greater than the the need for a third line center? It's not. It's nothing against Derek Broussard. Pagano is a much better center than Derek Broussard is at this stage of the game. It's just the truth. He's younger. Yeah. Uh, he's a better goal scorer. Uh, he does every. He plays in all situations, including the penalty kill. He was dynamite for Ottawa in the playoffs in twenty seventeen. Uh, Val Fopola did everything for these guys last year. Yeah. He, he did. I mean, and you're, and you're seeing it now. Um, and he just has not been properly replaced. If you bring in a guy like Pajot, just think of what he could do for a guy like Casey Zizekas and the pressure you could alleviate off a kid like Casey. I mean, I just think it would be a massive addition for these guys.
0: Just just before I let you go, remember when the Islanders signed Val Fopola, right? Who knew? that we be at February 9th, 2020, into the season after he's gone and everybody's missing <laughs> Val Philpula <laughs> what he brought to this team. Nobody saw well, look,
1: I don't I, I don't think he got enough credit for the player that he was when yeah. Luke first signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but the fact that people still bust on the guy. I mean, how could you not understand how much he meant to the hockey team after watching him for 82 games and then into the playoffs? Right. And when he got hurt right before the playoffs last year and how different that they looked and how desperate they were to get him back before... That first round started. I mean, he did everything for that hockey team. He really did.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I think that just goes to show what what an emphasis maybe Lou needs to put on a guy like Pajot because I think yeah, agreed. I think he's the guy who can who can kind of not only do that, do what Filipula did, but also it balances the rest of the squad. It put it puts guys in spots where they belong, and it's just been musical exactly. chairs with that center spot. And every time. Barry tries to put somebody in there, it just kind of discombobulates the rest of the lineup, and and you have this problem where either they're not defending well or they're not scoring enough.
1: Yeah, look, that third line has been an Achilles heel all season long. Obviously, it's been a nice story these past few days since, since Bellow showed up and Michael Dalcol has put up some points and Broussard's put up some points, but come playoff time, man, I I mean, I can't speak for Lou, but I would much rather have Peugeot in that spot than Derek Broussard. Nothing nope. against Derek. Um, but the, team, look, the history will show you the teams that win in April, May, and June, Sean, they are stacked down the middle. And Pajo makes them a whole lot better down the middle if, if he's in the mix here after February 24th.
0: No question about it, Brian. Well, listen, man, really appreciate your time. Appreciate you giving me some extra minutes here, and I uh, hope you have a great rest of your Sunday night, all right?
1: You got it, brother. Thanks for having me. Take care.
0: Absolutely. Take it easy, Brian. All right, folks, that was the great Brian Compton of NHL.com. He is the deputy managing editor over there. Fantastic stuff from him. And folks, until the deal is made and until we get to the trade deadline, we're going to be talking about Pajot. We're going to be talking about Dylan and what can help this team and not only get far into the playoffs or get home ice, but just make the playoffs. Uh, it's unfortunate that we're here. I didn't think this is a conversation we were going to be having on February 9th after that great start to the season, but here we are but that being said also folks it doesn't mean it's time to give up hope it doesn't mean it's time to get down in the dumps they're in a lot of these games and you know look they just got to find a way to play through these injuries brian highlighted the fact that you know Antonio and i did last week just with pelican clutterbuck being out did the effects that it has in the lineup it's 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 maybe taking longer than we would like for them to adjust and you know just kind of get back to playing that consistent hockey again they're not going 15 0 two again for the rest of the season, but they got to start winning more than they're losing. And you know, look, obviously four games coming out of the break not a, not enough sample size here. You know they they play a they play a pretty good team in Vancouver. They've obviously improved a lot this year. They take a point against them. They play a good team in Dallas. They're they're similar to Tampa in the way that they started off slow this year and they finally uh, started playing the way they should. That now they're not on the level that Tampa is, but they are one of the better teams in the league. So. You know, you take some positives out of getting that win over Dallas. And, you know, L.A., obviously a, a terrible start to that game. But they did what they were supposed to do, and that was win. They beat the bottom team, essentially, in the league. And, you know, they, they, they got a couple goals. They got some confidence. And, you know, it just didn't last into this game against Tampa last night, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, as Brian discussed, you know, Tampa just, you know, they're, they're playing the way that they that they should have been all year. And, look, at the same time, we know that a healthy Islanders team can hang with them. They've, they've beaten that squad. And we just have to see how the rest of these games play out. Like I was saying before, it's, it's going to be... <laughs> the stress levels are going to be higher than we were used to earlier in the season. But um, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, we might as well just... while I'm talking about it, I mean, you have, you have four big games coming up this week. And it all starts tomorrow. They go into Washington against the Caps. Back-to-back. They, they come home, uh, kind of home, to Barclays on Tuesday night against the Flyers. Night off. They play Nashville night off. They play Vegas in Vegas. In fact, both of those games are on the road. They actually have a uh, a four-game West Coast swing coming up. That starts in Nashville on Thursday. They go to Vegas on Saturday. That's going to be a 10.30 p.m. start time. In fact, uh, Mikey Carver and the ILC Podcast, they're going to be at Offside Tavern that night, so you should go and check it out if you're free. It's going to be a great night. I will try to get there myself as well. And then Monday, they play a 4 p.m. Eastern time start. That's President's Day, so I would say most of you are probably off. But they're playing the Coyotes on the 17th. And then that uh, West Coast swing stops on the 19th in Colorado. And, uh, you know, again, it just doesn't stop from there. I'm not going to bore you with the the rest of the the month's schedule. But let me tell you, it's, it's every other night. Some good teams, some not-so-good teams, but... It's hockey, hockey, hockey. So they got to stay healthy, and the trade deadline is so close now. I mean, you're talking essentially two weeks, and you know we got to see you know what this team looks like, and, and hopefully Lou makes a deal. It, it's very interesting because you know you have the fans out there that that just want them to go for bust here, you know, pick up a you know as best players as you can, give up what you got to give up, and and you'll give this this team a chance to go as far as they can. Then then you have the other frame of mind is the the conservatism which. I talked about with Brian, and I'm trying to be somewhere in between. You know, you know, Pajot, I feel like is a good a great example for this because you know if you've been listening to this show all year, and especially when the Islanders were going on that big streak, I'm talking about them being cup contenders. I'm saying they got to go out and get that score, and they're going to be great. You know, this is before Taylor Hall gets dealt. When he was part of this Islander conversation, and and you know, Taylor Hall is a guy that I would be willing to reach for. Right, I I would have been willing to give up a package that maybe you look at and say, wow, they gave up a lot. But for me, you know, that's worth it. With the way they were playing and, and with what Taylor Hall could have brought to this team and added to Matt Barzell and the rest of the guys, you know, that's the guy you reach for. And, and you know, you have this Pajot discussion now because everybody's focusing on him and you have some people throwing out the thought that maybe he's going to be able to fetch a first liner because of all the competition, because of all the, you know, all the, um, all the teams that might be in the mix for a guy like him. And while... Like Brian and I just said, like Tony and I said last week, I think he's a perfect fit for this team just because of what they need and because of what he's shown that he's done in Ottawa. Uh, Andy Graziano uh, actually pointed out on Twitter the other day how he's kind of slowed down a little bit as far as the numbers he's put up. But you also have to remember, that's not why the Islanders are getting him. They're not getting him for the goals that he scored this year. I mean, it's great that he has 20 goals already. He might have a couple more since I last looked. But that's, that's not the job he fills in this team. So... It's it's a third line center. It's PK. It's two way hockey. It's balancing the rest of the roster. And and yeah, you're gonna have to give up something. You know, I still think it might be a, a second round pick, maybe a, a mid level prospect, and you know maybe you throw in another extra pick like a third or a fourth rounder if that gets it done. But once you start talk, talking first rounder, for me. I think that's a reach. Maybe if you throw some conditions in, depending on how deep the island is going to the playoffs or something like that, yeah, sure. Maybe you turn it into a first-rounder then because, like Brian said, the deeper you go, the the lower the pick's going to be. And, look, I think all of us would be pretty satisfied if they get to a conference final, a Stanley Cup final, and they're giving up a first-rounder for Pajot at that point. It, it makes it worth it in that respect. Whether or not he's a guy that the Islanders is a re-sign in the summer, if whether they even can with the salary structure, you know they have. I don't know. That's that's a little tricky, but not something we got to worry about right now. But you know, I just think that losing a tough spot. I don't envy him going into this trade deadline because there's a hell of a lot of pressure for him to do something. I mean, you, we know it just looking at the fan response, and you have a guy like Brian Compton who covers this team, and he's flat out saying too, yeah, he's got to do something. He they bought in. And you know they they're a win now team, and, and if they want to win now, they they need more than they have. We're we're seeing it, you know, just with the the inconsistency with the goal scoring. We see that they're you know uh, they they're they're still you know toeing the line here, but you know you you get some kinks in their depth with losing a guy like Clutterbuck and losing a guy like Pelic and, and then being tested now. Now maybe some more games playing with this lineup, maybe they can adjust and they can start to improve. Hopefully, we're getting a hint of that with with what we've seen so far coming back from this break. But look, we just got to let let it all play out. See what happens, right? There's still a lot of questions between now and the end of the season. I'm I'm staying positive. I think they're still going to be in the mix. I think they're still going to be a playoff team. We'll, we'll worry about where they where they fall in the playoff standings as we get closer, but you know, just keep taking care of business. Just keep scoring goals and you know, uh Get back to preventing goals on the other end because they are they're they're giving up more goals than they should be at least with the with the system that they have now and and hopefully you know Dobson gets more responsibility gets more comfortable and you know maybe we're not missing Pellick as much as we are now and I could go on and go on but unfortunately I got to cut this short because uh, I have some things of my own I need to do tonight but I do appreciate you guys tuning in and joining me here I'll just do it real quick without all the fanfare the uh, you know the song and everything but your hero of the week for me it's it's got to be Kiefer Bellows right he comes in. Three points in his first two games. He's got the, he got the assist in his first game. He gets the two goals against the Kings. One of them ends up being a game winner. Does it in front of his pops. I mean, just an awesome night for him. Great to see. I mean, look, all of us were are kind of starting to write off Bellows like uh, we were writing off Dal Cole not too long ago, right? So the fact that he was able to get his game back down in the bridge, he comes up here, he scores a couple of goals, he makes himself notice, noticeable. He's pl- he's playing in the dirty areas. He he's a physical player. And, you know what, hopefully he earns himself a little extra time here. You know, maybe he ends up going down to the bridge, he has some more learning to do. But, you know, maybe he ends up being a spark, you know, that that goes a little longer than just a couple of games. You know, maybe he puts up nothing last night against Tampa, but, you know, let's see how he does now. He's going to be playing a lot of games, in, you know, in a short span of time, assuming Luke keeps him up with the squad. So, got to give it to Brian, uh, wow, I almost called him, called him his dad. Kiefer Bellows, your Hero of the Week. And folks, I already gave you a week ahead. A lot of tough games. It's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a tough road. But uh you know the only the only last positive note I'll give you guys before I go here is I talked about the fact they're two one and one since uh since the break. But also going into last night, now I don't know how these numbers have changed since, but going into last night, the Islanders were still third overall in the league in points percentage. That was uh, according to Pierre LeBron of the Athletic. Now, again, you have a lot of games last night. You had some games today, so that very well could have changed, especially with the Islanders losing last night. But the bottom line is, with their games in hand, they still have an opportunity to to get back into that 2-3 spot in the Metro and, and maybe sit a little more comfortably. But, again, a lot of games to be played here, folks. So uh, with that, I'm going to call it a night. I really appreciate you guys uh, joining me tonight. Uh we should be back uh to a normal situation here. I know since the holidays it's been a little tough with with Tony and I trying to, you know, hammer down nine o'clock on Sundays and whether it's just me or, you know, the both of us, I know it's been tough. So we're we're gonna try to get back to a regular schedule. That should start tomorrow uh next week. And uh we should be able to ride that to the end of the season. We should have some uh live on on location shows coming up too that uh once we get some final details, uh hammered out we'll, we'll share that with you too so still plenty of fun to be had here with Hockey Night in New York so once again just want to thank you guys for tuning in really appreciate it my name is Sean Cuthbert remember you can follow the show at, at Hockey Night NY you can follow Tony Stabile at Tony Stabile you can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey want to send out a big thanks to Brian Compton of NHL.com for joining me tonight you can follow him at B Compton NHL and I think that's it folks so have a great rest of your Sunday night